Know the Source on One Radio Network. We are very pleasant. Good morning to you. Hi there, this is Patrick Timpone, and uh, good to be here with you. It would be, what is it, the 10th or so, something like that? 10th day of April, 2023, as we broadcast from our palatial studios here in Dripping Springs, Texas, about an hour outside of Crazy Land, Austin. And um, we're here every morning, except Thursdays, at 10 o'clock Central Time. We have a good week for you. Um, we're going to talk to Zoe Harcomb out in, in England uh, tomorrow. Zoe's probably one of the greatest uh, researchers when, when it comes to studies. She just looks at studies and dissects them, picks them apart, and finds all the flaws and the, the bubbles in them. And uh, very fascinating lady. I think we're going to dig into uh, the whole carbohydrate thing uh, tomorrow and whatever else you want to talk about. Susan Bradford has a new book, and it's all about uh, uh, Abram Hoff guy. And um, boy, where do you hear some of the things he's been into in the last 10 or 20 years and how he's involved in everything that's going on today? with the United Nations and uh, Big Farm, all kinds of stuff. He's just a spooky guy. So we're going to learn about him so we can see who, where the bodies are buried. Fred Dashevsky in the real world of money. He's on the uh, uh, once a month and lots going on there. And then Varis Ahmad, again on Wednesday. He's been here a couple of times, a really great uh, researcher. And he looks and sees carefully on what's going on in the world of diet and nutrition. So here we are. Phone line is still out because of the ice storm. So the way to communicate this morning is Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Dr. Chris Nabi is with us. He's a fascinating fellow. He's been getting around the last, a uh, lot of folks have wanted me to talk to him. And we found out about him years ago, not years ago, but months ago. And, and it's, uh, taking a long time for his book to get out. He's been an ophthalmologist in practice for over 30 30 years or so. And long ago, I guess about 10 years ago, he started asking, could macular degeneration, you know that thing uh, that happens to a lot of people, be a westernized disease? Could AMD be a disease that is the result of the westernized diet? And he spent the last 10 years working on this book, which is a real beauty. Boy, it's a big one. The Ancestral Diet Revolution, How Vegetable Oils and Processed Foods Destroy Our Health and How to Recover and uh, Prevent and Treat All Kinds of Things, Heart Disease, Obesity, Cancers, Degeneration. These seed oils that you, we've heard about with Dr. Ray Pete for many years, who used to be on the show once a month before he left us. He called them polyunsaturated fatty acids, PUFAs, so let's talk to Dr. Uh, uh, Nabi. We don't have a long time with him, only an hour. So we're going to uh, just dispense with uh, uh, commercials for our products. Just go on our website and buy some stuff, and that'll be good. So we have a lot of time with him. Well, very pleasant good morning to you, Dr. Nabi. Thanks for being on the show. Good morning, Patrick. Uh, and by the way, it's Kenobi. Oh, it's Kenobi. It's Kenobi. Like, uh, oh, it's like o- Obi-Wan Kenobi of uh, Star Wars. That helps people to not only pronounce it, but remember, remember it. Remember, yeah, Kenobi. That's yeah. great. What, yeah. what nationality is that, Doc? It's German. German. Ah. Yeah, German. Yeah, yeah. Well, you German yeah. folks have this uh, thing going on in your mind, brain, that digging deep in, you know, and tweaking things, don't you? I remember... Years ago, we had Hulda Clark on our show for a few times, and she spent her whole life digging into cancer and trying to figure out, you know. It's a German kind of a DNA thing, isn't it, to really dig deep it, into things? It might be. Uh, certainly, uh, I think my dad, you know, I followed in my dad's footsteps. He was always, uh, he was always uh, 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 digging, dig, you know, never, never accepted dogma on anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, you received a lot of dogma, I guess, in medical school, ophthalmology school, uh, where there's a lot of things you've learned there that you have discovered that just ain't so, as Mark Twain said. Right. Right. Lots. Yeah. Do you want me to go into that? Yeah, yeah. whatever you got. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm, like, I'm curious what you found out with the diet and what you learned in ophthalmology school. Just short, you know. 
Yeah, you know, it's really not, and it's not really ophthalmology school. You know, we're ophthalmologists are trained. We're we're physicians trained in in traditional allopathic medical schools. I graduated from the University of Colorado School of Medicine back in 1990, hmm. and uh, then went through a traditional internship and then three years of ophthalmology residency. But but just in general, I'll, I'll say that we uh, we you know, conventionally trained allopathic physicians. We're, we are not taught anything about the root cause of disease unless it's infectious. So when it comes to chronic diseases, and by that I mean diseases like coronary heart disease, mm-hmm. strokes, cancers, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, um, all, all of these diseases are not considered to be, uh, the, uh, the, we're not looking at the root cause in allopathic medicine. You know, the, 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 the plan in allopathic medical schools is to make a diagnosis and then institute a treatment. And that treatment is, it's either drugs or surgery or both. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what we're, that's what we're taught. And I, I'm really almost embarrassed to say that you know, 21 years after I graduated from medical school, it was 2011 that I read uh, Lauren Cordain's book, uh, The Paleo Answer, for the first time. And this completely opened my eyes to the to the fact that the the, the enormous bulk of all these chronic diseases um, it, are driven by westernized diets, processed food-laden diets. And so this is where I started, Patrick, was... Wow. I started with this in 2011 and I and I studied intensively for a couple of years and and uh, um, and and I really began to understand how devastating processed foods are, which are primarily refined flours, refined and added sugars, vegetable oils and trans fats. That's what they that's the four key ingredients of all processed foods. And uh, so from there, yes, I did ask the question, I, uh, you know, whether or not at that point, I questioned whether or not these same processed foods might be driving age-related macular degeneration, AMD, which is the leading cause of irreversible vision loss and blindness in people over the age of 50 worldwide, now affects 200 million people and about 14 million of those are blind in both eyes either they're either blind or have severe vision loss in both eyes and so i left practice in 2015 to to study that very question and um and we looked at data in 25 nations uh and of sugar and vegetable oils versus amd prevalence and the data supported the hypothesis in every single nation and i published that and published a book and started uh, Cure AMD Foundation, a nonprofit. And then by 2018, 2019, I was just so convinced that vegetable oils, the highly polyunsaturated vegetable oils, and we can get into what those are, but mm-hmm. that they that they are the primary drivers of all of this disease. Uh, oh, again, I'll I'll just list them. But uh, you know, overweight, obesity, heart disease, cancers, strokes. Uh, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, all, all the autoimmune diseases, then the list goes on and on. The, I, this just was not being covered very well in mainstream uh, nutrition circles, e- even in those that are that are uh, working in the natural... No, no more natural, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the natural yeah. Uh, pathways of... Uh, of disease and uh so so i began to um, write and present on that mostly beginning in 2019 and so this is what i've been doing mostly for the last three or four years is connecting processed foods and particularly the highly polyunsaturated vegetable oils to all of this chronic disease so that's what that's what this this new book is about so i had a book about macular degeneration that i published back in 2016 and this new book new book um the ancestral diet revolution will be coming out in may here in just next month and um and i this is something that i've been working on for really about you know three years um 
yeah. folks, you want to get this book because it really is a beauty. I mean, there's so many uh, different charts and graphs and color, and it's really well done. Um, this will be something you want to keep for a long time and certainly gift friends of yours who are sick and, and they don't understand what's going on with what they eat. And this would be something, if they would read it, they would probably change their diet. Um, it was interesting, I saw, you just started off with the Civil War and you looked at um, heart disease and things like this back in 1865. And there there wasn't anything really going on, really, was there, as far as these diseases back then. And people, I guess the only thing that they had back then, they, they started in... Um, they didn't even have cottonseed oil back then. Civil War, did they? They didn't. They didn't even have cotton. Well, they they would just right. use tallow and butter and cream and for fat. Right. Yeah. So what what is you know really shocking? It was shocking to me too when I began many years ago to really try to dig into the history of medicine because you know, almost nobody has ever done this. Um, there's been very very little interest in looking at what's happened with these chronic diseases. And what I discovered, Patrick, um, after months and months and months of research on each individual topic was, you know, for example, that coronary heart disease, you know, uh, the, the same disease that causes heart attacks and mm -hmm. heart failure uh, and loss of life uh, and loss of quality of life was pra almost virtually unknown in the 19th century. So there's, I think there's eight or nine scientific papers about coronary heart disease in the worldwide in the entire 19th century um hmm. and only two possibly three of those papers depending on how granular you want to get um that 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 uh, just, uh reviewed thrombotic myocardial infarction meaning a clot that induces a heart attack which is you know what we which is the main uh, way that a heart attack develops and um, so they're extraordinarily rare and, and and in fact the first known myocardial infarction heart attack in the united states was uh, uh published by james herrick 1912 wow. which was documented with with autopsy evidence so so physicians in the 19th century they had not witnessed heart attacks almost no almost no one on the planet had ever witnessed a heart attack you know the the things that our er doctors see you know a lot today uh was not witnessed in the 19th century and, but anyway by the 1930s coronary heart disease had become the leading cause of death in the united states hmm. but it was virtually unknown in 1910 and the question is why and if you look at cancer so cancer um effect uh caused death in one in 188 people in United States, at least in the city of Boston in 1811. By 1900, one in 17 people died of cancer. Today, it's 31.2%, I believe it is. It's virtually one in three. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. So, wow. and it's a very similar situation, like obesity affected 1.2% of American males between ages 18 and 80, this was Scott Allen Carson's work in the 19th century. Um, and obesity, you know, then rose to 13% by 1960. And this is when everybody thinks we were really fit and healthy and all that, 1960. But obesity had risen 11-fold by night, you know, by... And, and so, well, today, I'll just jump all the way forward to 2018. We're at 42.5% obesity. So we went from 1.2% in the 19th century, in 1900 obesity to 42 and a half percent today and another 31.5 percent i believe it is overweight so 74 percent of the of americans are now either overweight or obese um but again you couldn't find you couldn't finally hardly find an obese person they're they're almost rare in the 19th century diabetes same situation it was just an extraordinarily rare disorder 2.8 per hundred thousand people in 1890 it was, uh, that's 0 0.002, uh, I think that's right, 0 0.00028%. Um, I may have I'll be off on one zero there. But anyway, um, we were at 0.37% by 1935 uh, diabetes. Um, um, 
we're at 13% today. So diabetes has risen since 1890 in the United States, it's risen 4,643 fold. So now if diabetes had doubled, that would be statistically significant. It's risen 4,643 fold since 1890 in the United States. And this is, you know, and you can just go on and on. It's the same situation with Alzheimer's. It's the same situation situation with macular degeneration. There was less than 50 cases of macular degeneration in all the world's literature between 1851 and 1930. And believe me, this is when they could see the, the macula, the retina, mm-hmm. because of the ophthalmoscope. And they were looking and they were evaluating and books after books after books, um, essentially there's there's almost no evidence that it existed um again they're just very rare cases today you know macular degeneration affects about one in three people over the age of 75 to 80 um and it's 11 percent of those over age 52 in the united states okay um so so you just keep going you know yeah let's go back to to uh fascinating 1910 to 30 and this increase in uh um coronary heart disease what happened there were seed oils beginning to get introduced in processed foods as early as 1910 yes so Hmm. in general you know most of the world had had only small you know tiny percentages of the population had ever um, seen or heard of or tasted a vegetable oil up through the American Civil War, ending in 1865. Right. And so it was the same for Americans. The only only oil they would have had would have been olive oil in extraordinarily small amounts. Um, so cottonseed oil was introduced into the food supply in the United States right after the American Civil War, about 18, so about 1866. And um, you know, the Americans didn't really want this oil. They knew that before it was primarily used as lamp oil and machine oil. And now all of a sudden it's supposed to be food. <laughs> and so the manufacturers, they weren't deterred by this because they had a product they knew was very cheap to make. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to supplant and replace butter and lard, which were much more expensive. And that's exactly what they did. So they, they, uh, um, uh, uh, so they, oh, I'm trying to get your view back anyway, but, um, so they, they started adulterating, um, uh, olive oil and butter and lard essentially with this cottonseed oil. And, um, that's how they made, so that, that this is how they made margarine, of course. And then they eventually made, um, you know, Crisco, which is, basically you know trans fats you'd use vegetable oil and hydrogenate it and so anyway they were on a path i'm trying to simplify this as much as possible but they're on a path to replace butter and lard in in the food supply and outsell it and that's exactly what they did as early as 1910 or 20 they this is when they started doing that 30. well no so they were putting cottonseed oil in the food supply and uh by the 18 you know mid or you know beginning about 1866 and then soybean oil introduced really in 1909 and then all the rest followed so then you got you know so there's today there's soybean corn canola cottonseed rapeseed grapeseed sunflower safflower rice bran sesame and peanut those are all the oils that for the most part, didn't exist. I could, get, you know, the details are not important right now. But right. for the most part, up through the American Civil War, none of these oils existed, you know, worldwide. Uh, with without getting into the nitty gritty, okay. And so now, what's happened, for example, is if you look at the added fats in the diet in the United States in 1900, 99 percent of the added fats in the diet were animal fats, lard, butter, and beef tallow. Hmm. By 2005, 86% of the added fats in the, um, in the, in the diet of Americans was vegetable oil. So vegetable oil, in terms of added fat, vegetable oils have almost completely supplanted and replaced the traditional animal fats. And with that, we consume a very high omega-6 diet, lots of polyunsaturated fat, um, the primary omega-6 fat is linoleic acid or LA. Mm-hmm. And, and what comes with that is, is um, 
the, the problem with that, Patrick, is that we accumulate these, these omega-6 fats in our body fat, in our cell membranes, in our inner mitochondrial membranes, and this drives a pro-oxidative, pro-inflammatory, toxic, and nutrient-deficient uh, biological milieu, and you put those four pillars of hazard together, and you have the recipe for metabolic disaster Obesity, you know, overweight. So this this heart uh, disease, uh, cancer, acid, omega sixes can be tied into to all of these things. You've the, the data shows that science shows that. So if if we use Absolutely. the term Dr. Kanabi, processed foods, and we all know what those are, and you could go into the inside of the, you know, in the, in the grocery store and look at anything, whether it be mayonnaise, mustard, whatever, right, whatever it is, is it the um, and it's primarily soybean oil and, and canola. Are these the real culprits in what we call processed foods? And if they didn't have those in there, would it be nearly as bad for us as they are today? Great question. I believe after all the research I've done, and I've been working on this since 2011, so I've really been working on this for 12 years. And what I have believed over the last particularly five or six years is that if you removed all of these highly polyunsaturated vegetable oils, the mm -hmm. ones I just named, mm -hmm. I think you would solve around, I think probably upwards of 90% of all of these chronic diseases and including wow. obesity. And I think you would, if you could, if you could eliminate all those vegetable oils and you eliminated the high omega-6 animal fats, um, which, you know, that's another topic we can get into, but those are, those are coming from uh, corn and soy fed chicken and pork. And if you severely limit nuts and seeds, which are another source of omega-6, I think if you did that right there, <laughs> you will virtually eliminate metabolic syndrome and diabetes. This is my belief system based on everything I, I see. Um, and I think you would you would probably solve 90% of the obesity right there. You begin to reverse it uh, right, you know, right okay. away. And uh, so let's go back yeah. to exactly so we understand what these PUFAs, linoleic acid, uh, you would, so they go into the body and they somehow get oxidized, oxidation, and explain, talk to us like we're a young child or a golden retriever. That's how we like to do it. What, what is the body doing there? So this oil goes in there. It's weird, whatever it is, right? Canola. And then what, what happens in the body? What happens? Yeah. So in a nutshell, if I talk to you like you're uh, a, a five-year-old, yeah. we're, rust, we're rusting inside. Rusting. That's, oxi that's oxidation. Yes. Mm. So, you know, without getting, without getting into the, you know, the, the biochemistry um, too much, um, when you begin to fill up your, your body, your cells, your cell membranes, and your, your adipose, your, your fat with these omega-6 fats, mm -hmm. these are the fats that are highly prone to oxidation. Just think of it like oxidation in metal is rust. Okay. And in the bot, in the body, what that does is it, it, well, it does a lot of things, but the most important thing it does is, is it damages the mitochondria. Damage. And the mitochondria are the powerhouses of the cell. And so you're destroying your energy producing uh, organelles in your cells when you, when you consume these seed oils. So that's oxidation at the level of the mitochondria. You're crippling and destroying the mitochondria. And, it, mitochondria, and if you do enough of that, you will cripple the cell so severely it can't make enough energy to carry out biological functions. And this cell then just sits there and it'll take up these fats and just, in, in I believe, it essentially just stores those fats because it's incapable of burning them burning for fuel them. because, yeah. yeah, you've broken down the, the electron transport chain is really what happens. And then so you're storing the fats for fuel. Now on another, on another arm of this oxidation pathway, these, these omega-6 fats, when they're attacked by radicals in our body, we all make uh, 
an extraordinary number of uh, of uh, radicals. The primary one is hydroxyl radicals, but there's uh, there's many others. Um, but anyway, the when when these fats, this for example, omega six linoleic acid is acted upon by these radicals, like a hydroxyl radical. It it creates a lipid hydroperoxide, and that lipid hydroperoxide breaks down into what are called advanced lipid oxidation end products or ALES, A-L-E-S. And these are highly toxic, dangerous chemicals like 4-hydroxynonanol, 4-H&E, malondialdehyde, MDA, carboxyethylpyrrole, acrolein, um, 9 and 13 HODE. Um, and then there's literally hundreds of others. So I tell people that if you think of it like this, when you, you know, when you smoke a cigarette, you, when you take the tobacco and you burn it, you create more than 6,000 chemicals. And those are carcinogens and mutagens and all that. We don't have names for all those chemicals. We've got names for a lot of them. But anyway, it's the same thing when you consume these oils. They're going to oxidize and they break down into um, these ales these advanced lipid oxidation end products. And hundreds of these are just chemical names. So we don't even call them a, a name. They just have a chemical name. But these collectively, um, these ales are cytotoxic, genotoxic, mutagenic, carcinogenic, thrombogenic, obesogenic, diabetogenic. Um, hmm. These are killers. These are causing everything, you know, from you know, destruction of organelles to, um, to, you know, to cell, um, cell death directly to mutations, to, to cancer, um, and to loss of energy production, uh, ultimately. So this, again, another way that these, um, that these fats are crippling our cells. So, and let me just say this, Patrick, is that you know, you, you cannot remove omega-6 linoleic acid from your diet. And it's impossible um, because all natural foods contain omega-6 linoleic acid. And I mean every everything. natural Even food. Even meat and yeah. butter and milk. Every yes, every single thing. Even apples, bananas, white rice mm. contains enough fat that if that's all you ate, you would get your minimum daily requirement of omega-6 linoleic acid. The problem is, is too much. And so, you know, I always say, and in, in, uh, I try to in many presentations that, um, you know, the, the old saying is the dose makes the poison. And, um, and, and that's true with every single uh, uh, uh a chemical that there is, you know, even even air, I mean, even oxygen, water, whatever, um, you know, there's a sweet spot of consumption or, or dose for all of these things. And so for omega-6 linoleic acid, it is less than 2% of your total daily calories. That's where we should yeah. be. And this is where we, and we were, at a, we were, you know, we've modeled American diets in 1865 before we had seed oils, and the consumption of omega-6 linoleic acid was about 1.1% of our total calories. 1.1%. But, you know, 1.1%. But by 2000, you know, by, by okay, so, and I'll just give you the numbers. By 19, uh, 1909, we were at 2.28%. By 1999, um, we were at... Uh, uh, I may have it here. Oh, oh I, I forgot that because I tracked it uh, myself. Um, I don't let's see. I just for, I just forgot the the last uh, the last numbers. That's okay. Uh, Nineteen ninety nine. Um, yeah. yeah. Two, 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 anyway, two thousand eight. We're at eleven point eight percent of calories. I can't remember exactly what that nineteen ninety nine number was, but anyway, we went from one point one percent in eighteen sixty five to eleven point eight percent. Uh, and so we should be at the 1%, really. This is where we should be. So we've increased the um, consumption of omega-6 linoleic acid um, by about 12-fold um, uh, by mass. And 
So that what happens is, again, is these omega-6 fats, they accumulate in our body fat and they accumulate in our cells. And this is all proven. We could talk about that, that too, if you but, want but to. So, but so you can, you can then follow the doubts as you have and you can prove that having these omega-6s, LAs, linoleic acids, um, um, consume and uh, coagulate, and what's the word uh, I'm, I'm looking for, but it can continue to grow in the body or grow or stay there and tie it into everything from heart disease to macular degeneration to Alzheimer's, high blood pressure, everything. Because yes. the body is just not have the energy to do what it needs to do to metabolize these things and and then everything's connected so who knows what will happen to the body right i mean it's anything could happen if the body's yes yeah so and a lot of the reason this happens patrick is because these so i i i say in my presentations and in this book that and i've said this for years and i believe this you know with all all the evidence shows this that in high doses omega-6 fats are chronic metabolic biological poisons and they are indeed poisons and they're poisons primarily because of oxidation people talk about inflammation all the time they think you know that the inflammation is the key driver it's not the key driver of of most of this disease is oxidation and oxidation is dramatically worse than inflammation. Now they go hand in hand, and interestingly, oxidation drives inflammation. But oxidation is the is the key driver of this. And as you and and as you accumulate these omega sixes in your body, because your diet is high in in these mm -hmm. uh, vegetable oils, um, you're again filling up your your you know your cell your cells with these fats. And you're pushing yourself down this pathway of destruction, of oxidation, and so inflammation. All this though, is it fair to say it's more of a symptom and not the cause? People say inflammation is a cause of it, but the the body only gets inflamed for a reason. Yeah. So it, so again, it, and and this is the most well known part of omega six. Uh, metabolism is that we know uh, this is the uh, accepted in all circles is that omega-6s um, they are inflammatory because omega-6 linoleic acid and it's it's longer chain um, uh, uh, um, fatty acid um, arachidonic acid um, those are driving inflammation because they cause um, the increase of prostaglandins, eicosanoids, leukotrienes, and thromboxanes. And you put that together, and what you have is this drives inflammation, vasoconstriction, clotting. Wow. Okay? Clotting. So when you consume these fats, for example, you have increased your risk of a heart attack and stroke that day because of the thromboxanes and the vasoconstriction and the clotting. Wow. Okay. And so you, so when you stop omega-6, you know, consumption, you are literally healthier in hours. Now, the bad news is, is that it takes a long time to accumulate in the, in the body. Uh, that, I guess that's the good news. Mm -hmm. The bad news is, is once the, the, you know, these omega-6s are high in your body and they are in almost all Westerners who've been consuming these oils, it takes it, the half-life of omega-6 linoleic acid in the body, in the body fat is 600 to 680 days. So you can just round it off. It's almost two years. Wow. So this means that if you get all of the seed oils, all the omega high omega-6 foods out of your diet, it will take two or three years, really about three years for you to get down to an ancestral level. And so, you know, we've looked at, there's, there's we didn't look at this, but there's data from 1969 that I review in the book uh, done by Ian Pryor and colleagues in, uh, in some South Pacific island nations. And they looked at the body fat omega-6 in um, New Zealand Maori, in um, Europeans in New Zealand, and then in Puka Pukans in, on the island of Puka Puka and Puka Pukans on the island of Rarotonga. 
these South Pacific islands. And the body fat um, it ran from 2.6 body, I'm sorry, body fat linoleic acid percentage ranged from 2.6% to 3.2% with an average of 2.86% linoleic acid in their body fat. They didn't have any vegetable oils, okay? That's where we should be. That's an an, what I call an ancestral level of omega-6 linoleic acid. Gotcha. Now, gotcha. compare that to Americans and Stephen Guillenay collated all this data in 1959. Americans were already at 9.1% omega-6 linoleic acid. Before all this in 1959, stuff, yeah, yeah because we had, but by, by 1960, we had 19 grams of vegetable oils in our diet. And then by 2008, um, uh, no, I think that's right. 2008, we're at 21.5% omega-6 linoleic acid in our body fat. Wow. Wow. Okay. So compare that. Ancestral level is around 3%, right? That's what it was in those populations I just reviewed. We're, you know, Americans, 9.1%, 1959, 2008, 21.5%. This is the recipe for disaster, you know, is, uh, is the higher you go in this, the more obesity and chronic disease you know that you see okay dr kanavi is with us his book is called the ancestral diet revolution as you know and our listeners know there's been quite a big movement in the last three ten years ketogenic uh, carnivore we've interviewed a lot of carnivore people more tallow butter uh, western price and the whole thing so i think it's real uh, interesting information that our listeners would like to know is there real science to show that eggs, for example, that are given grains and whatever, as opposed to chickens, you know, that are just out there eating bugs and stuff, is there evidence to show that eating these eggs are just not good if they're on poor diets of grains and GMOs and corn and soy? Yes, absolutely, Patrick. And mm. that's in the book, too. Yes, and unfortunately, I don't have those numbers handy. That's okay. But, we don't have to go through uh, all that. Let's just take big picture. Well, I can few. I could. Yeah, I yeah. give you the big picture. So they are. So when you dangerous. When I mean, you it's not good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Almost, almost. You know, ninety nine point nine something percent of chickens in the United States are fed uh, corn and soy, and the huge bulk bulk of that is GMO corn and soy. Yes, the problem with monogastric animals like chickens and pigs and humans is that we cannot convert these omega-6 fats in our gut into saturated fat and monounsaturated fat. So we absorb them and this increases our, our body fat linoleic acid. And so, so this is why I said, if you're, if you consume um, chickens and pork, you know, pigs, pork that have, were consuming corn and soy, they will have high omega-6 in their body fat up to 20%. But chickens and pigs that are consuming native traditional diets, and they're omnivores, yes. right? They, they eat animals and plants, just like humans, and they will have body fat of uh, uh, about 2% in, in pork, I believe it was, and 2.5% in chickens. That was shown in studies in, this, in uh, Tokelau back in the 1970s, I believe it was. And, um, and, and we, you know, we have some other studies that corroborate that, but in any case, but again, that omega-6 will go up to 20%. And when they, and the chickens then, when they, um, produce eggs, those eggs will have much more omega-6 linoleic acid. Mm. So, so if you want, and, and it's significant. So the, the omega-6 linoleic acid in chickens that are fed, um, a natural diet, they're out grazing, they're eating bugs and grass and uh, worms and whatever they can, you know, whatever they can scrounge up um, and, you know, possibly some grains that are not corn and soy, um, you know, that they'll have very low omega-6 in their eggs. I think it's, you know, something like 0.17 grams per egg. But the, but the amount in the eggs that are, you know, you know, from chickens raised in CAFOs, concentrated animal feeding operations, will be something like four or five fold that high. Wow. And this is another source 
of getting high omega-6. And people look at and, and, and you're totally fooled in all grocery stores. They say, you know, pastured eggs, cage-free, all that baloney. They're, this is called greenwashing. And they're trying to make it sound like these are good eggs and, you know, the, these animals are in good conditions. Even if they're out on pasture, but they're fed corn and soy, they will have very high omega-6 in their eggs. And if you're eating, you know, significant amounts of eggs, you're raising your omega-6 even further. So, so even, another even if mechanism. these eggs at the store, at the Safeway or where, whatever, if they're organic and they're, and they're, they say pasture, they could be giving them corn and even organic corn and soy. Would that be an issue as well? Just because it's organic doesn't mean anything right the, the the only thing it means to me is is they're going to have less glyphosate the poison that comes along but they with still have a, the linoleic GMO, acid stuff but the linoleic acid will be just as high uh, or pretty close because it, it's not maybe not quite as high but it's pretty close and that evidence is all in our book we've got the study so so um so we have to find yeah, eggs that a, are pastured at farmers markets and ask the the person what they feed them extra, and they all give them a little extra, especially in Texas when, you know, we have droughts. We have to make sure that they're not giving them soy, corn or soy, and we have to live with a little bit of grains that they give them, they supplement. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, they could they could consume, you know, other grains, yeah. um, like sorghum and millet, um, and that would not, in, in smaller amounts, but, you know, again, those are not, should not be the staples of their, no, of their diet. They should be out you in know? the field, right? I mean, yeah. yeah, they should be out in the field and eat, is it you the know, same, eating the things that they normally do. Same for the cows, if we're going to eat chickens and no. cow, cows. Now, what's the deal with cows? No. Okay. So cows are very different. And, and this is good news for everyone about, uh, when consuming beef. Why? Because cows are a polygastric animal ruminants and so you know so all, all of the um hooved animals that are ruminants that have multiple stomachs they really you know one of those stomachs is a is a biohydrogenation chamber i call it it will it will take omega-6s and hydrogenate them put put extra hydrogens on those fats and convert them into monounsaturated and saturated fats and then absorb them Good so the, that's the cool thing is that so 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 beef doesn't get high omega-6 no matter what you feed them right so even the worst beef grocery store fed beef that really? is raised on grains right. corn and gmo corn and soy which is not what i ever choose because you know but, but it's not the it, end of the their world omega right. Yeah, the omega-6 in, in a completely pastured, 100% grass-fed cow is, you know, roughly, let's say, 2% of their body fat, omega-6. Mm -hmm. And in, in a grain-fed, um, grain-finished animal, it'll go up to about 25 to maybe 3 3.5%. Not much difference. Yes, sir. So if you, in the worst-case scenario, people who really need, you know, they have to watch their, their, their money... Um, buy beef, eat beef, even the worst beef will be better than, yes, um, it'll be better than the chicken and it'll be better than the pork and it'll be better than the CAFO raised eggs. And so these days you again, can unless get, you're getting, yeah. And these days, excuse me, you can get natural beef where they say there's no antibiotics and, and hormones and stuff. And so, so it's still a pretty good food, even though, you know, and you know, the grass fed, grass finished, they're certainly a lot more costly these days that we see with the meat. So uh, we also have a relationship with a pig farmer, the regenerative farm, and he's talking about if he just gives all natural stuff out there and just vegetables, that the linoleic acid in the pigs are way less than the pigs given grains. It's, it's interesting, way less. But that's exactly right. That's it's, exactly right. Yeah, so, so the, pigs will, the pigs will have omega-6 linoleic acid if they're fed an ancestral diet. Uh, again, you know, where they don't get corn and soy. And again, and they're, they're omnivores, you know, pigs eat, they, they eat grubs, worms, you know, bugs, uh, little animals. Um, and, 
and they'll you know forage for some greens and whatnot. But again, they're very they're very similar to a chicken. And people that think you know when you read that you know chickens are vegetarians, chickens are not vegetarians. Don't read anything, you know? right? <laughs> no more than no more than humans are naturally vegetarians or or vegans. They are omnivores. I mean, you know, chickens will you know they'll they'll tear apart uh, you know little critters, animals, uh, and snakes and things like that, and and uh uh yeah yeah so so i'm, I'm not sure i that's okay if i, I no, got off we, track we there about answering that's your right. question but uh um jeremy wants to know with all of this how what role does the doctor believe sugar has in all of these diseases he puts in quote that is a good question there's a lot of people think sugar is okay did you get get into it in your book too uh What's your- yeah, that's a that that is a um, in fact a very big segment of my book, and um, the 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 low carb camp is you know a lot of some of these people are not very happy with me for pointing this out, but they're 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 not happy with the data, Patrick, and because the the evidence clearly shows that um, sugar is not strongly tied to obesity, metabolic syndrome, or diabetes. Um, you know, for example, so, so I've looked at this data and I'll give, I'll give you, you know, one of the most um, uh, pertinent pieces of information regarding this. So in 1935, Americans consumed 22.5% of their diet as sugar. Huh. Um, and, but by... Uh, you know, and back then we think you know, obesity was probably around three to four percent, maybe right around in that area. We don't know exactly because the the data, you know, on obesity began in 1900. We had data then, and then the next data is 1961 when it was, or 1960 when it was 13 percent obesity. But anyway, so if you extrapolate, you know, obesity was probably around three or four percent in 1935, and um, that's when again 22 and a half percent of our diet was sugar then. Sugar went up 86 calories between 1935 and 2016, but as a percentage of the diet, sugar in 2016 was 24%. Okay, now let me give you the numbers on diabetes, for example, um, because we already know what happened with obesity, right? It went from roughly 3% in 1935 to, by 2018, 42.5%, right? So there's almost no correlation whatsoever with sugar. And with diabetes, it's similar. 1935, diabetes prevalence was 0.37%. Hmm. And by, um, by 2016, diabetes was 13%. So diabetes went up, um, uh, what, 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 I'm not sure what the uh, exact increase is, you know, compared to 1935, uh, but again, from 0.37% to 13%, while the sugar hardly changed. Again, it went up 86 calories, and as a percentage of the diet, it went, went up 1.5%. Now let me tell you what happened with our vegetable oils. So I'm looking at the data on this one because I don't have these numbers in my head, but vegetable oils in 1935, 7.5% of our calories, okay? Uh-huh. Vegetable oils in 2016, 29% of our calories. Okay, so vegetable oils, went up 21.5% as an absolute number as a percentage of our diet. So if you think of it this way, between 1935 and about 2016, sugars went up on an absolute percentage of our diet, 1.5%, right? Vegetable oils went up 21.5%. In other words, a fifth, more than a fifth of all of our calories between 1935 and 2016 were replaced with vegetable oils. More than a fifth of your plate, of every single plate of food. Mm. Think of that. That's a staggering amount. And with that, again, we've seen this extraordinary increase. Now, I've also shown in lectures that, that you know, a combinations of um, either sugar, carbohydrates, and or total calories all going down in the United States, in Australia, in the United Kingdom, in Japan, and in Israel, all while... Uh, the vegetable oils go up and all these diseases go through the roof, right? Obesity, diabetes, metabolic syndrome, cancer. So even when they decrease mac- the carbs and all that, the, the seed oil increase 
uh, all the diseases go up. So yes, that's, that's exactly curious, isn't it? Very, very exactly. curious. Indeed. Yes, so it's very, very hard for you know the, the the low carb camp and the sugar camp to argue against this data when you know, for example, I'll give you like in the United States, sugar's been going down at least from somewhere between about 1999 and 2004. Sugar has been going down in the United States. Mm-hmm. Carbohydrates have been going been going down in the United States from 1997 through 2013, and after 2002 calories are going down in the united states mm-hmm. now since 2000 we've had the worst increases in obesity in diabetes wow. and metabolic so it has metabolic to be the disease. seed oils then has to be it's the only thing left <laughs> it's, the only thing. it's the, it, the and the mm-hmm. most compelling evidence of all is in japan mm-hmm. and i could go through some of that you know if That's you want right. me to but it's a similar situation interesting you wow. know where where they're where their total calories their carbohydrates and their sugars have been going down and the one thing going up vegetable oils while their obesity in men doubled cancers in, in breast cancers in women went up fivefold um diabetes went up between 19 or 1954 and and 2007 i believe it was diabetes went up 345 fold and macular degeneration went up between the late 1970s and 2013 went up 82 fold there's probably so, no way to tell of what um, uh, energy the high fructose corn syrup plays in this, which we know is really dangerous stuff when you use the term quote-unquote sugar, right? Yeah. That would be pretty so tricky I, to figure that out, wouldn't it? Well, e- yeah. I mean, e- hmm. even Robert Lustig said many years ago, high fructose corn syrup is exactly like sugar. It's, oh, I mean, sure. They're, they're, but probably they're worse as far as the process and everything, right? Right. And when I say sugar, Patrick, and, uh, you know, I, I'm including the, the, the I'm using the World Health Organizations and the Food and Agriculture Organizations uh, definition. And this is all sugars. So this is, Everything. you know, cane sugar, beet sugar, table sugar, um, high, you know, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, maple syrup, um, honey, everything that's sugar is added into these numbers that I present. So and when, when people people think I'm trying to, to defend sugar, and that's not what I do because sugar is part of the problem. And I've said this and written on this and published this since 2016. I believe sugar is a problem, but its primary problem is that it's a nutrient deficient food, much like um, refined you know, wheat flour, for example. They are refined you know, uh, foods that don't provide nutrition. So they take a part of your diet where you're, you could be filling it with, you know, other things that have nutrients, you know, bananas, apples, oranges, meat, eggs, you know, cheese, butter, all these things that provide all these nutrients. So every time, you know, you're filling up your, you know, when you drink a can of Coke, the primary problem I see is you just consumed whatever calories is in that. Um, you know, you could have eaten a banana, right? Or two bananas or something that would provide all kinds of minerals and some B vitamins, right? That provides you nutrition that your body needs. And I see that as the primary problem with, with uh, sugar. What roles do you think, what role do you believe after all of this research, things like rice, uh, pasta, I don't know, rice, pasta, millet, um, quinoa, mm-hmm. these kind of things should or could play in a person's diet if they want to be healthy. I think that there is definitely some bioindividuality here. Uh-huh. Um, however, on a on a at the population level, if we just look at the, this epidemiologically and we look at the history of populations and what they consumed whether or not they're healthy i think that the great whole grains organic whole grains um you know for people who are tolerant of them in other words like somebody you know obviously people have celiac disease can't consume wheat or gluten products right but for people who are tolerant of them these can be very healthy foods and this is you know proven by populations for example in africa whose diet is almost exclusively, um, you know, grains and some vegetables, um, they have very, very little 
uh, meat to eat. I mean, they're dying to get meat, but they can't, you know, they can't, they can't get they, it. They can't oh, yeah. get it. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of, uh, a lot of Africa, uh, you know, uh, populations in Africa have survived on very high diets of, of you know, including millet and vegetables. And, yeah. Millet and sorghum are, and vegetables and some plantains and things like that. They're huge in their, in their diet. And these are very healthy populations. Here's an email from Paul. He's in the UK. Does Dr. Chris Kanabi think glaucoma is caused by omega-6 like macular degeneration? I don't know. That's not an area of my research. And, uh, you know, people ask me that and I just say, you know, I, I really can't go there. I think that, you know, in general, I think it plays a role. One of my best friends is a glaucoma specialist that read my book. Mm -hmm. And he said, and he tells all of his glaucoma patients now to follow an ancestral diet. Because again, I mean, you know, this is all about good nutrition and good blood supply. And we know that the vegetable oils and, and the, you know, uh, a nutrient deficient processed food laden diet is driving atherosclerosis. And this is a major player in glaucoma. So I believe that it is. It's not my area of expertise. I have never dug into that. And I, I won't be doing that because it's, it's, it's even more complex okay. and, you know, be much more difficult to prove than, than macular degeneration. Um, it's not, and it's not a simple diagnosis to make either. Cicely wants to know, is there a number of grams of just refined pure cane sugar that we could have daily without it affecting us, our health? Interesting question. Do we know? Is there a sugar that so so a, a, an amount of uh, amount cane of sugar cane that would sugar be that would be yeah so again i, I think that you know I, the the world health organization itself tells us not to consume more than 10 percent of our diet as sugar okay um and, and again why because you just have to realize again it's nutrient deficient so and i'm not afraid of natural sugars for sure and added sugars in small amounts, I think, are safe. I mean, Americans in the 19th century, you, you know, to me, th this was when we had a completely ancestral diet. And if you go through all the evidence and all the cookbooks and all this, desserts were huge really? huh. in colonial America. It was these took up often a third of the cookbooks back in the in the 18th and 19th centuries about a third it was you know people they made pies and cakes and donuts and all that and they were and in pretty, they were pretty good health those. they were in pretty good health they were in fantastic health hmm. uh, americans in the 19th century i think were probably you know some of them the healthiest people on the planet we were also um except with the exception of the uh, inuit the what people might have called the eskimos way back um we were the most carnivorous population on the planet in the 19th century um you know people people were uh, astounded who came from other countries how much meat we ate and and that's another and i get into that in the book yeah. too so meat is in is very very healthy and this is what americans ate we ate lots of meat we ate lots of 37 percent of the diet in the in 1909 in americans was made of grains and that was mostly wheat and we were in fantastic health. And anybody can look back at the evidence and see that that's the case. So now grains today are not the same as sure. they were in 1909 of because of all the herbicides, pesticides, mm -hmm. and we've got GMO issues in the, in the, you know, the food supply now and glyphosate and all this. So there's other issues, right? And that gets very complicated. But in general, you know, if it's a good quality, you know, grain and it's organic, I'm not afraid of that. And for, again, for people who tolerate it, exactly. I think it's, you know, perfectly I, fine. I can, we can all remember well when it came out everywhere that coconut oil and, and this stuff was bad and they took it out of the theaters. Remember that? And yeah. they changed it to soybean oil. And now there's theaters going back to coconut oil and real butter on their popcorn. It, it's right. interesting. Yeah. And I tell people, you know, cook everything in butter as much as possible. Use and if you can get it, you know, just a grass-fed, a hundred percent grass-fed butter um, mm -hmm. from you know from cows that are not fed hormones and antibiotics. 
there, there's some good brand names there. I won't mention those. We don't tie ourselves to any industry. But anyway, I'd say that if you have to use an oil, I'd say coconut oil is is probably the healthiest oil. Why? Two percent omega six linoleic acid. Um, you know, butter is around one and a half to two percent omega six linoleic acid. What? How much omega six linoleic acid in soybean oil? 54 to 56 percent and that's everywhere that's the problem that's everywhere everywhere that is the main that is by far and away the main oil oil so uh, i mean uh, on a percentage basis almost 20 percent of the uh of the diet of americans today comes from soybean oil alone that is a staggering and if you see organic soybean oil and products which they do now that doesn't matter as far, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? The, the only thing it, it does is, okay, so so now you have less glyphosate, the poison of Roundup, okay. right. because soy and corn that are GMO are going to be sprayed with glyphosate, and they will have more glyphosate. And we need to avoid, glyphosate's a disaster too, but it's not the main problem. I mean, you know, overall, that's not the main problem in most of our lives. We had all of these problems before glyphosate ever entered the food supply, which is right around 1991, I think it was. You know, we already had obesity and diabetes and metabolic syndrome and cancers all and macular degeneration, all these things going through the roof before glyphosate entered the food supply, right? And, uh, you know, we see the same situation, you know, it's not as bad, but we see the same situations in Europe and they don't have GMO, right? Um, now, they don't have as bad of problems as we do, but Americans consume more vegetable oils and more sugar than any other nation on the planet on a per capita basis. It's everywhere. This is why this is why we are the number one most obese nation in the world of all the developed nations. We're the most obese. Why? We have the most seed oil consumption. 32% of our calories coming from vegetable oil. In 1965, when I was just... Uh joining the Navy, I worked at McDonald's and we used beef tallow to fry the French fries. And uh-huh. they were the best French fries right. ever. And now, of course, right. God knows what they use to fry these things. Right. Exactly. Yeah, they're using um, soybean, oil. soybean oil. Probably soybean yeah. oil. And, you know, if you, want, if you want French fries, just all you have to do is just make them in beef tallow and you will have the best tasting <laughs> french fries and the healthiest french fries you could eat those every single day really in my view yeah absolutely sure. i mean you've got it take healthy potatoes and take healthy beef tallow and eat your hamburgers and make your french fries and c- cook them in that it's the same way that americans made made you know donuts in the 19th century you make donuts healthy Fry them in lard, Fry them you in know, lard. From, an, from an animal that is naturally raised. Good luck finding that. It's really hard. You got to really look hard to find, you know, uh, lard that comes from an animal that was raised ancestrally. But if, if you can get it, you've got a perfect lard. I had a little food company in 1988. And boy, I remember the day the canola oil, canola oil came on the scene. It was huge. Mm-hmm. Boy, what a, you could do shows on that. And I don't know what's all the... All the all the energy behind that, but it doesn't look like it looks like it was a planned thing to bring this canola into this country. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I know you have to run and go to a a, a, a meeting. Yeah, I got a meeting. Yeah, got meetings and meetings. So, so this yeah. is going to come out. Folks, can can they pre-order this or just get it? Wait till it comes out. Uh, it will be should be available. I'll just say, I don't know about the pre-order, but it should be available at uh, early May, I'm very certain. So just here in about three to four weeks. And it's at the Ancestral Health Foundation and probably places like Amazon and all that, you know. Yeah, so this this book will be available at online booksellers everywhere. And, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, all of those kinds of, uh, of booksellers. Folks, he's got 60 pages of notes to... To you know, sixty pages. I mean, you you done uh, your references. Home- references, yeah. You you've done yeah. your homework here. Oh, finally, before you go, extra virgin olive oil in general. As long as we know the source and we we know it's pure extra virgin olive oil, good stuff, right? I think it's pretty good. Again, <laughs> uh, anybody who you know has health problems and who has been consuming vegetable oils, 
I think they'd be better off for a while getting every source of, you know, of extra omega-6 out of their diet. Uh, even the best, you know, extra virgin olive oil um, is on average around 10% linoleic acid. Imagine, you know, compare that to butter that's one and a half or 2% omega-6 linoleic acid. You're better off with butter. And then after if you've been on this for three years and then you get your health in order, for, ex for example, then I think you're safer to go to go back to really good quality, authentic extra virgin olive oils if you can confirm that's what it is. Sure. Dr. Kanabi, thanks for being here, Chris. Kanabi, MD, his book, Ancestral Diet Revolution, website to check out Ancestral Health Foundation. Thanks so much for being on the show and congratulations on the book. It's really, really great. Thank you for sending it to me. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks for having me on your show. Yes, it's been an honor and a yeah. pleasure. Take care. I appreciate it. All right. Okay, you Dr. too. Kenobi. Take care. I wanted to keep him longer, but he had to go, and then we got to talk to him for a couple hours. So um, we're all dressed up and know where to go, so we're just going to take a little break here, have a cup of water, and then I'm going to come back, and we'll just do a one-on-one -on -one thing, and I have no idea what we're going to talk about, but, you know, that's what I do for a living, so I'll figure something out. Stay right there, and we'll take a break on OneRadioNetwork.com. Uh, may the blessings be. Pass this uh, video around to everyone you care about. Oops, I'm going to do that one. Wait a minute, I'm going to do this one. What am I going to do? Hold on a sec. I'll close this thing out with a little grace if I can. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.